we're really, really happy to announce that um, that we are just signed a an ambassadorship program with Schedulicity. Schedulicity is a scheduling app, and um, they've been kind enough to uh, to help us out this next year. Yeah, they uh, we met them in L.A. when we did the uh, Salon Digital Summit, and they really believed in what we were doing mm-hmm. and how we were doing it, and so they wanted to know how they can partner up with us to. Uh, to even reach more listeners and, exactly. and give what we give. That's that's right. So um, with our uh, with our partnership with uh, Schedulicity, we will be able to reach more hairdressers and we'll be able to bring a lot more content and get to a lot more hair shows. So uh, hopefully, we can see you guys out there in the hair shows when we're there visiting. Yeah, and and they're going to give us a, some business tips uh, throughout the podcast as well. And I'm so excited that you know. We're partnering up with people that believe in the same things we believe in. Yeah, no doubt. That, that, that's pretty exciting. So uh, anyway, Schedulicity, once again, big shout out to you. And uh, thank you for joining your day off. <laughs> Silly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, welcome to your day off. My name is Corey. Of course, I'm sitting with my best bud, Tony. What's up, man? What's up, bud? Nothing, man. I'm pretty stoked about today. Oh, yeah. This particular person has been on our radar for about a year now. Mm-hmm. And she, uh, she, you know, we had an opportunity to meet her. Um, we were up in New York. Uh, thank you, Hairbrain. Uh, when they did the, uh, when they had a, the after party or their awards. And, uh, At we, IBS. Yeah, so we had uh, a chance to Pen her in a corner, and <laughs> she <laughs> probably felt that way. Yeah, we we were gonna let her out of the corner until she agreed to come on. Exactly, and so she agreed to come on. <laughs> Thank you very much. But she, I mean, she, she's one of the you know, not to hate to steal this phrase, but you know, uh, one of the the women uh, pioneers in this industry. One hundred percent. You know, she she's she's done a lot of first for women in this industry. I can't wait to get into it, actually. Yeah. You know, should we, uh, should, should we bring her in so she can tell her story a little yeah, bit? Yeah, because people aren't tuning in for you and I. <laughs> no, you know what I'm saying? That's not the truth. <laughs> Thank goodness we have a cool guest like this one today. Yeah. <laughs> uh, today, our guest is, um, it's Antoinette Benders. And, um, Beenders. 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 Well, I got to say it with a weird accent now. Yeah. Beenders. I'm sure she'll. Long E, not a short. I'm sure she'll, uh, she'll correct me. Um, they always do. So, Miss Antoinette Beenders, welcome, <laughs> welcome to your day off. <laughs> Hi, guys. It's a pleasure <laughs> to be with you guys. <laughs> well, you're something else, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll see. <laughs> right. So, what's up, Miss Antoinette? Thank you again for coming on. And um, also, also, you know, not to name drop, but we'll name drop. Thank you uh, for Ruth for um, for Ruth Roche for introducing us as well. Yeah. I'm sure you had no idea what you were getting yourself into when she... Uh, <laughs> no, but I trust Ruth. <laughs> yeah, we love Ruth. Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, so yeah, where are you from? Well, I was originally born in the Netherlands and uh, spent the first 20 years of my life there. 
and then um, started hairdressing as a Saturday girl when I was 14. And then by the time I was about 19, I saw the Trevor Sorby artistic team in the Netherlands. And I realized that I wanted to make a career in hairdressing. So I thought I need to move to London. So when I was 20 years old, I got on a plane and went to Trevor Sorby and I said, hey, I'm coming to work for you, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and he was so shocked that he took me on. Oh, wow. <laughs> First, he sent me away, I have to be honest. First, he sent me away because I didn't speak any English uh, because I was Dutch, a Dutch native. Right. And uh, so I thought, well, excuse me, Mr. Sorby, I'm coming back whether you like it or not. So I did a couple of months later, I came back. And I said, I'm not leaving. And he said, okay, then. <laughs> the late 80s. Sure. And uh, yeah, so he said, but I'll take you, I'll take you on. I won't pay you for the first month. I'll put you in my school. And you, after a month, you do a test. And if you pass the test, I'll take you on. And if you don't pass the test, you go back to the Netherlands. And I said, okay. Well, so I worked my little butt off, obviously, to try and pass this test. And this was the time where Vivian McKinder was working in the school, uh, Eugene Solomon, um, Damon Carney, uh, to name a few. They were all teachers there. And um, I worked as hard as I could, but I was trained the French way in the Netherlands. And these guys were all doing the British kind of Exosun way. And I had no idea, no clue. So, so how, hold on, hold on, slow down. So how would you define, like, what are those differences? Like, we hear that a lot on the podcast, but uh -huh. can you define what those differences are or at least what your opinion of those differences, differences are? How honest do you want me to be? Honest? <laughs> Straight honest? Yeah. Well, I think if you look at French hairdressing, it's very feminine. And when it comes to hair cutting, it's maybe a little, you know, they're very, they're very much like a scooping type of technique. Whereas if you look at the English way, I would say more Sassoon derived is very much about precision sectioning and precision cutting. I think the French are very good in dressing hair and blow drying. You know, they, they can make any haircut look amazing and feminine. Whereas I think when it comes to traditional British hairdressing, it's more about the cut, not necessarily so much about the blow dry. And as a, as a little trade internal joke, we always used to say, well, French haircut takes 10 minutes and 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 lost you know of hang it takes 10 minutes and lost a couple of weeks and then english haircuts takes an hour and it lasts six weeks so <laughs> but it's it's a different technique it's a different style it's um I, I mean i appreciate both and i'm lucky to be trained in both so yeah so your finishing skills must be crazy then i mean that, that's a benefit to you know once you have a once you have like a strong like british structure in the haircut yeah, right at all her work yeah. <laughs> yeah, right, I know, right? <laughs> That's crazy. And I think that was nice when I joined Sorby. I mean, again, you know, I took me on, but I had to completely retrain. So I went, I, I was 18, at 18, I was a manager of a salon in the Netherlands. Because, you know, I started so young, I started at 14. What's a Saturday girl? Oh, so, oh okay. Ha, huh, that's interesting. Um, so it's like, I just worked on Saturday because during the week I just went to high school. So on Saturdays I worked in the salon and washed hair and do stuff like make coffees and stuff. I make a mean coffee, by the way. <laughs> we'll take you up on that yeah i'm a coffee connoisseur i love coffee okay yeah so yeah what you know being a junior being an assistant but you do it on saturdays only okay well, so it's very um you don't have that in the states obviously not if you're asking the question yeah i mean i've never i've never heard of it well, you, okay it's very it's, it's very um work. european i suppose yeah like 14 uh, unless your parents own the shop you ain't working in the shop unless you right get, yeah unless you work permit. 
Yeah, exactly. So that's probably that hiccup there, right? The child labor laws. (laughs) (laughs) Which apparently they don't have in Europe. (laughs) (laughs) They slave them up at 12. (laughs) Before that, I had a newspaper round. (laughs) Right. So after being a Saturday, hold on, hold on. That's funny that you say that because you know when you're a kid, you're allowed to deliver newspapers, right? When, yeah. On your bike, what's the difference? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That, that, that's that's going down a whole other track. All right. Yeah, we'll get out of there. That's, <laughs> yeah, I just saw a squirrel. Sorry. Woo, squirrel. <laughs> so so Antoinette. So after being a Saturday girl, so um, then how old were you when you started working in the salon? You know, more full time. Uh, sixteen. Oh, so at sixteen, yeah. you were working in the salon. Yeah, full time. Um, and then, like I said, from 16 till about 20, uh, by the time I was 18, I was a manager. And it was really funny how I became a manager because um, my manager at the time I went on holiday and she said, you want me to look after the shop for, you know, while I'm away. I said, okay. So while she was away, I doubled the takings. <laughs> <laughs> so she came back and I was the manager. Oh. <laughs> Well, what is that? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hold that on, hold is on. awesome. That That's is awesome. So how did you double them though? What did you do? Well, you're talking a long time ago, but you know, I think it was all to do with my enthusiasm. I've always been very enthusiastic. And I think if you bring that across to your clients, you know, you know, we just did a lot more work. We, we sold a lot more product. <laughs> so wow. I think, you know, enthusiastic, enthusiasm goes for a lot. It counts for a lot. People, you know, they're very quickly attracted to that. I've noticed throughout my life. And, you know, um, if you put a little passion behind anything, you know, you get it done. So that's truth. And then yeah. maybe we're going backwards a little bit. So at, was, it was 20 when you reached out to Trevor? Yeah. Well, I saw his art because it was very keen. You see, in Holland at that time, late 80s, there was, you know, he didn't really have a career in hairdressing. It didn't really exist. And I, I knew I wanted to do, I wanted to do more than working behind the chair. I wanted to really have a career. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when I saw the artistic team of Trevor Sorby, you know, they used to come over because it's like very close to England. Um, when I saw them demonstrating, I was like, that's what I want to do. I feel like I need to go there. That's it. And I just instantly, I knew it. And uh, so I had uh, um, an interview arranged in England and I went over and, and I said to them, I said, I'd like to work here. And I said, well, okay. Uh, but my English, I could hardly speak any English because, you know, it wasn't my first language. Mm-hmm. So then they said, well, thank you, but no, thank you. And then I went back a couple of months later and I said, hey, I'm coming to work for you, whether you like it or not. <laughs> and Trevor said, I've seen you here before. I said, yeah, and I'm not leaving. That was kind of very much me and still is. <laughs> 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 if I put my mind on it, that's it, I'm going. Mm-hmm. So uh, he took me on and he said, the first six months, I'll put you in my academy and we'll teach you. Um, or the first month rather. And then uh, you do a test at the end of the de- end of the, uh, the month. You do the test. If you pass, you stay. And if you don't pass, you go back. I'm like, okay. Well, after three weeks. That's not like brushing up on your skills. You're learning a completely different thing. Correct. In one month. Yeah. That is super scary. And also like Trevor and I know Vivian's kind of notorious for, um, for, 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 for being hard asses uh, yeah the stories that we heard about the school or, or the training that you had to do mm-hmm. i mean it's i mean it's no it's joke like, no yeah no, no, no nobody nobody didn't earn it as they say true and then after because obviously i wasn't that strong i wasn't that great uh but i, I was determined to stay there i thought what can i do you know to 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 stay here so i ended up getting them all the models for their academy i used to 
stand outside till 11 o'clock at night, outside Topshop looking for models to have their hair cut off. <laughs> so I became very good at model hunting. And still today, you know, I, I think that's one of my strengths. It's choosing the right girls for campaigns. And I think it stems back from those days. Wow. No, no, no lesson is unlearned or no lesson isn't used, right? That's, yeah, that's impressive. I mean, especially going to a different country, you don't speak the language, but you know, I mean, what, what kind of inspiration or what, I mean, that's, what kind of message would you send to young people that, you know, had, you know, this is what I want to do, right? I mean, what kind of message would you give them? I mean, I mean. I don't know what I'm asking, but... You no, know. but I can give you an answer. My first question is, how really badly want, do you want to do it? Because if you just go, oh, yeah, I want to do it, well, that, you're not going to get there. No, how badly do you want to do it? If you want it really badly, you'll do whatever it takes. And that is what's going to set you apart from anybody else. Because there's a lot of people that want to do things, but there's not a lot of people that do whatever it takes. Mm. You know, and if, if I look throughout my career, the things I've given up personally or... I mean, I've done the most craziest thing in order to do what I needed to do. And I suppose that's why I'm still around today. I love that answer. Yeah. Thank you. you. I mean, yeah. Hopefully the, the young people that, you know, that they have dreams that, that they take that to heart. Forget about young people. I mean, that's just a message for all of us, right? That's true. I mean, you know, like, yeah. whatever it takes, what are you going to do? Whatever it takes. You know, yeah. But I'm not moving right now to a different country. Uh, no, but I don't think that's <laughs> what she's saying. I think she's saying no. like, like on a broad, like, you know, if, if, how bad do you want it? Whatever it is, how bad do you want it? Yeah. You know, and that's, then, yeah, it's, I'll give you an example. So if you are a young person or a person, because I don't care. Age makes no difference to me. Age and gender. I didn't care about. Um, if, if you want to be an assistant or backstage at New York fashion week, you've got to be in New York, not in Florida. You know what I mean? It's, mm -hmm. so it's, it's little things like that. You've got to be where it's at. So I was in Holland. It wasn't happening there. I wanted to have a career where it was happening and London was the place. So I moved. I literally moved with 50 pounds in my pocket, one suitcase. I arrived at Heathrow with nowhere to go. And you just, that's what it took. It's amazing how often that's the story, right? If you hear like actors or something like I just showed up to Hollywood at eight dollars in my pocket. Now, what you don't hear about is the eight million people before them that had the same eight bucks in their pocket that didn't make it. But, you know. Well, I guess once you start talking to somebody, it's because they've made it for some reason. Or well, they, they didn't find Trevor Sorby. They, they found somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So, okay. So uh, I think, I think we're a month into, uh, into you know, the, the, the Trevor. So what, um, how was the test out? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's a good, that's a good place to stay. Well, yeah. Um, the first one, like I said, wasn't great. That's, I had to go back. The second one went a lot better because what happened, and um, they realized I wasn't going to make it in three weeks. So what they said, you know what, we're going to put you in the salon as an assistant. And then uh, you have a little bit more time to learn. And then uh, because they had model nights twice a week in the salon and then you will do another test. So I just needed that extra little time. Six months later, I passed the flying colors. And uh, I actually became a teacher pretty quickly after because what I realized when you have to learn something new in a different language, you have a whole different way of approaching of learning. So I started to relate everything to things that happen in my daily life. Let me give you an example. So for instance, um, and I teach this when I, when, I, when I still teach now and then, like a haircut to me is like, is like a house. Yeah, that's how I related it all because I had to relate it to the most simplest way because my language wasn't that strong. So a house has four walls, 
that is the foundation of the cut. That's the sectioning. Then you've got a roof, you know, the house has four walls that holds up the roof. Roof. So that's the foundation. Then inside the house, you've got curtains, you've got carpet, all the things that make the house pretty. That's the texturizing. So texturizing, if you, if you were just to put curtains and carpets, you know, out there, you're not going to have a house. So the house is the foundation. The interior is the, is the prettiness. So a foundation without texturizing is still a foundation. Texturizing by itself has no foundation. So what I'm trying to say with this, a haircut of a foundation will last six to eight weeks, up to 10 weeks sometimes. But just a texturizing cut lasts two to three weeks. And I was trying to relate those techniques to simple everyday things. And that's a lot of the time how people who weren't English speaking, you know, as their first language, understood English hairdressing in a much quicker pace. Hence, I toured a lot. Yeah. <laughs> that makes sense, man. Trevor's like, hey, make sure you get uh, Antoinette with us. Come on. <laughs> You're, you, you turned out to be the interpreter, right? Exactly. Yeah, but it's quite interesting because if you, you know, in, the, in those days, especially early 90s, there were a lot of hairdressers on stage and they still see it sometimes. And they kind of, they talk jargon, you know. And if you're a non-English speaking person, you have no idea what people talk about. And there's always a lot of like, you know, holding a section and a lot of kind of, you know, like voyeurism. And, um, you know, people don't always get that. If you go to a seminar or show, you want to learn something, you know. So to break it down to those people, it, they learned something and they, it made them better. And that's the end of the day what I was in for. I love that. It's crazy. Look, it's Saturday Girl 14 hairdresser by 16 manager by 18 with trevor by 20 how old were you when you started teaching i think i was 22 all her even years oh my yeah all <laughs> oh, right yeah crazy right? Those are incredible <laughs> right so I, I you know i'm lost for words in the sense of you know someone you talk about have vision and, and a drive where they want to go where they want to be and what they want to do mm-hmm. And she she knew exactly that, and she was able to accomplish it in a short amount of time, right? I mean, it's it's amazing. Yeah, that, you don't think like that, you know, when you go through it. You just go, I want to do that. Okay, then you get there. Oh, what do I want to do this? I want to do that. Okay, so you keep moving your goals. And one thing I do do, and I need to start doing it again, actually. I haven't done it for a while. Is every year I write down my goals on a piece of paper. What do I want to achieve this year? And the years that I don't do it, I go, of course, I've noticed it. So, but the years I've done it, I'm very sharp, like, okay, I want to get this. I want to get this. So. Well, lucky for us, we had Antoinette uh, <laughs> written down on our, uh, yes. on our goal sheet. So we can, we can scratch that off uh, yeah. after hearing, yeah. hearing about, uh, you know, 30 minutes, as long as she doesn't, you know, run out of here. Right. <laughs> Could happen. Okay. So you, um, you were with, you were with, Tre- how long were you at Trevor? Uh, 11 years. 11 years. So you were with the artistic team and all that for 11. That, that's the whole, like, give us that 11 year span. Okay. So let me see, because it's been a little while. So yeah, so I started working in the salon. I became a, a stylist. Then I became a teacher. And also the thing what happened was that Trevor used to do a lot of photo shoots at that time. Uh-huh. So uh, because I was probably one of the hardest working people there, <laughs> he used to take me as his assistant, you know, because I'll do anything. Uh, and uh, he, models. Well, yeah, models, whatever, you know, stylist, makeup artist, the whole thing. So what happens in those days, like the makeup artist that worked with Trevor had an assistant. The stylist that did the clothing also had an assistant. So I used to hook up with those assistants and then start doing our own photo shoots to do our own tests and create our own editorial books. 
So pretty quickly, I started having my own editorial book. So then I could go around magazines and, you know, do hair for models and celebrities or whatever it was, TV stuff. And yeah, so, and then I started traveling with Trevor all over the world. And he was such a master of show. That's, I honestly, I've learned that from him to be on, you know, how to be on stage, how to conduct a show. And then, um, then I start getting nominated and stuff, you know, once you start getting nominated and win a few awards, you start going on the, you know, on the bigger scene and then you get noticed and things kind of go from there. Wow. So when did you win the, your, your first award? My first, the one or nominated one? Yeah. Okay. The first one I won was in 95. Avant-garde hairdresser of the year. Wow. And that was British. Yeah, British avant-garde. Yeah, it was in the British Hairdressing Awards. Uh, two years before that, I was nominated for Newcomer of the Year. But Sasha Muscola won. <laughs> 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 I was talking to her about it the other day, actually. It was funny. <laughs> and uh, in 96, I won London. Hairdresser of the Year. It's 97, I won London. Then I didn't win. Then I got nominated, I think, in '99 for British Headdress of the Year, wow. and I was. How is hold on, hold on, slow down. So, so what was that like? Like British Headdress of the Year? I mean, just think insane. of the insane. And you know why? Because I was always a foreigner, so to be nominated for a British Headdress of the Year it was a huge thing for me. Um, and I wanted to do it my way, of course. So my first entry, you see, when you get nominated for British, you can't just enter that. You can enter London, you can enter avant-garde. It's a bit like Naha, you know, you can enter whatever you want. But to be, to, to be up for the big one, you need to be nominated by the press or the industry. So um, I ended up being nominated, and I think it was only four or six people in that category. And I was the only girl, of course, in those days. And then... Um, I decided to do something rather than getting, you know, getting some money and do models and do pictures. I wanted to do a little bit more than that. So I decided to, to just photograph real people. So take people from the street because I knew how to find them and then um, photograph them. And then whatever money I'd left over, I wanted to donate it to a house for women, you know, that went through abuse because I wanted to have a meaning rather than, you know, just pictures of beauty. Mm-hmm. So I did. I, it was kind of like a makeover thing, you know, so I had before pictures and after pictures on my entry form and I got disqualified. I got disqualified because you weren't allowed to put before pictures on the entry form. Uh, so, but still today, if I look back, I mean, I did pictures of someone in their teens, 20s, all the way up to 90. And the picture of the 90 year old, I think, is still the best one today. It's actually on my Instagram. If you go way down, it's a, it's a picture of an old lady in a little Givenchy jacket with this kind of cute little hairdo. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah, she had like a little, little. Like, was it kind of curly? Yeah, curly. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, so, he, so, 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 so here's here's the here's the the contest, right? Whoever's listening to this podcast right now, and I will forget <laughs> by the time we get it up. What you have to do is you have to grab that image and then tag us and Antoinette in it. Um, so you'll go, you'll scroll through her thing and then tag us in your stories for it as well. Deal, 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 deal. I'd love that. Yeah, it'd be great. Yeah, the woman was 92 years old when I did her hair. Wow, it, she, she had a lot of style. I mean, she looked fantastic in that picture. Well, she, yeah, you should see it before. Before it was kind of like hair to hair, you know, and then I set it and made it into this kind of avant-garde, well, avant-garde-ish number. Funny enough, um, you know, 
uh, there's a guy called Mark. He has an Australian magazine. I forgot, I'm terrible that I forgot the name of that magazine. But he he totally picked up on it. And he stuck that picture on the cover of his magazine and his advertising. And he said, some people still don't get it. And I thought it was genius. So that was the best thing that happened out of that whole thing. So that was really cool. But anyway, then... Um, Obviously, it made a bit of a, of a difference because I also stuck a 65-year-old model on stage in 1999. This is way before, you know, Donna Karen did her whole women campaign, the whole shebang. So people thought I was crazy. And I thought, no, you know what? It's actually, we should be looking at people not just who are 18 in a picture. So, um, but that's... so the been picture. out for women for a while. Oh, you yeah, were the I mean, first woman to win the Ahmed Guard, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So um, what happened was that there's another award in England called the British Fellowship of Hairdressing. Are you familiar with that? No, I'm not. Okay. Well, it's like, a, it's kind of like a, all the top hairdressers in the UK are part of this. It's, it's quite a big entity and it's kind of, uh, it's been going for hundreds of years and it's, um, I can explain it. Yeah, they do training and shows and they have their own hairdressing awards and you can't enter. They nominate you. So although I didn't, I got disqualified for the official British Hairdresser of the Year Award, which was a company-sponsored award, no names mentioned, um, <laughs> I won British Hairdresser of the Year for the fellowship. So it was pretty, it was really nice, you know, I was very lucky. I won that twice with them over the years. Um, and that was a big honor. And if you look every December, uh, the, the, the Monday after the British Hairdressing Awards, you have the British Fellowship Awards. And it's, it's funny, if you're into hair, watch that on internet. It's very interesting. And a lot of emerging talent comes out of that, that group. It's very cool. That's pretty cool, man. I'm writing it down now. <laughs> we got it written down. Yeah, I mean, I, you can't see anything, but I got a few things hanging on the wall from the fellowship here. It's, you know, you get a medal and stuff. It's quite funny. It's kind of old fashioned in a way, but kind of cool at the same time. It's not old fashioned, it's traditional. Oh, traditional, sorry. Traditional. It's traditional. Okay. Is it, is it, I mean, a couple hundred years. I mean, that's, uh, has to be the award. Yeah, it has to it's be. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe hundred might be exaggerated. You know, I'm a hairdresser. Right. <laughs> yeah. right. Uh, I mean, it's been right. going, I think, yeah. to the fifties, at least the fifties. Yeah. Like 20 BC. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Setting hair on bones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> that's so cool. Um, <laughs> Antoinette, so what uh what brought you to the US? When did you come to the US? What was that? What was Okay, what? so where are we now? We're like 99 nominated. Then so then I started I also at the same time um in 97 I I had been headhunted by a couple of people because you start winning awards and you get, you know, attention from other companies. And um you know, we used to do, me and Ruth used to do shows because Ruth was uh, art director for America for Trevor Sorby and I was the international art director. That's how I met Ruth. So we used to travel together a lot. And, uh, but I also knew that when I used to come to the States, she used to fly me over, make me do a model call the minute I arrive, show the next day, workshop the day after and send you back on the plane overnight home. So it was always pretty grueling. Mm-hmm. And uh, I thought, oh, I'm not so sure if I want to be in America. I'm not so sure about that. <laughs> So um, in 97, I was approached by Horst Rechelbacher, the founder of Aveda. And he said, oh, I want you to do some shows. I said, yeah, but I'm not coming to America. He said, okay. So he kind of used to bring me into Minneapolis and I used to do shows here at the Institute. But then when he sold in 99, we got a new president, a guy called Dominique Conseil. 
and he wanted to have a hairdresser at the helm of the company because horse had sold and you know he wanted to make sure that everything was seen through eye of a hairdresser so he approached me and he said i want you to become the creative director and this was in 2005 i had just won bridge address of the year as well uh in december 2004 so you eventually got that title six years later i was like like, unbelievable it took me forever but i tell you man when i won the whole freaking room went down it was amazing it was just everybody so badly wanted me to win that title because they know how hard i worked for it and you know, I was this kid that was always doing everything everywhere. So, yeah, it was amazing. It was one of the best nights in my life. Were you still with Trevor at that time? No, I was at Aveda then. But Trevor was there. <laughs> Trevor will always be my dad, okay? You know, right. he'll always be around. That's just, he brought me up and, um, yeah, I'm very thankful to him. But in 2005, Dominique Conseil came to me and said, I want you to become the creative director of Aveda. And I'm like, well... Um, and I wanted to move to New York and I'm like, I don't, I'm not sure about that. Cause I was asked by another company before Bumble, Michael Gordon, you know, for Bumble. Yeah. yeah. Like, nah, that's not my scene. You know, I already moved from a country once. Why would I want to do that again? At this stage I'm married, you know, I have an English husband. It's like, Oh, I'm not so sure. And he said, well, here's what you do. You can live in London three weeks and you come to New York three weeks. And that's how he got me over. (laughs) Very smart. So I went to New York um, and then not quite realizing what the job entailed because I thought I was just going to be creative director of hair. No, what he meant, I was going to be creative director of the entire company, which meant packaging design, store design, visual merchandising, uh, graphic design, copywriting. I was like, okay. (laughs) So I had to learn a whole new job. Yeah. And um, which was very good for me because I learned to challenge myself in different ways. And, you know, having done at that time, so many pictures, videos, TV, the whole shebang, I knew how to turn the image of the brand around at that time. So, and that's what I did and learned a whole new job next to it. So looking now, that was 2005. Now it's 2019. So 14 years later, you know, I'm a senior vice president of the company and I know a lot about how to make, you know, a creative team for a corporate company, which I thoroughly enjoy. And um, whilst at the same time having my hair career. That's amazing. So yeah, I'm very lucky. Not to quote Vivian McKinder, but, you know, not just a hairdresser, right? Like she's right. doing it all, man. You know what I mean? That's incredible. So, so I don't want to get too far ahead, but I also want to ask a question. What, um, how much of like today, how much of your career is actually like in hands and how much of it is just kind of on the corporate side, figuring stuff out? Um, it's actually 50, 50, uh-huh. um, because I was lucky they kind of left me alone to keep going with my creative stuff. Um, whilst also doing the corporate stuff. So yes, I have a team here of 34 people that, you know, in my creative department, but then I have a fashion week team and I have a show team as well. So it depends on the time of the year. Say September is crazy because it's fashion week uh, and you get a lot of uh, hair shows and stuff. But then come say, you know, what is it now? We're now in May. So it's kind of a quiet time for hairdressing, but we're starting to like plan everything. So June, I'll be in Milan for just Stella McCartney. Then uh, in July, I'll be in Brazil. Uh, In August, I'll be in Australia. In September, I'll be in New York and London. So in between, I do all these different things. So it's kind of a, a really crazy life maybe to some people that are hearing that like this sounds insane and it is but it's 
it can, I've kind of, I'm, I'm used to it, so I don't know any better. So any young people with dreams of visiting all that place show up at, where are you at? <laughs> Tell them that you're going to be working for her. Uh, <laughs> even if you don't speak the language. Even if you don't speak the language. There yep. you go. It's not the first time that's happened. I was doing um, a little gig. We have a, a school here in Minneapolis. And uh, I was prepping for, I thought, you know what? I've been on stage for a couple of months. I better brush up my skills, you know? So I went to the Institute and I thought, I'll do a class for all the new kids that are coming in. And it was really fun. And I'll, I'll, I'll do a graduated bob and a, you know, a round graduation. And I was standing there and there was this girl and she was like really keen. And she reminded me a little bit of myself at the time, like wanted to do everything. And I'll do that. I'll do that. I'll do that. And afterwards, uh, I kind of got to speak to her a little bit. And uh, we spoke about her time at home and she was a, a, fo a foster child. Mm. And she didn't have a very nice uh, personal life. And I said, look, you can do whatever you want. You can get out of this, you know. I said, here's what you do. Come and assist me at Congress, which is probably the biggest show I do for us, which is a show for 5,000 people every two years in Minneapolis. So she assisted me. And I said, you can come, providing you do whatever I tell you. She goes, yeah, no problem. And when I do shows, guys, it's like 60 nowadays. It's not like nine to five, okay? Anyway, so she did. And, you know, she worked her butt off. While she's there, she's meeting people from my team who then offer her a job because she sees how enthusiastic she is. And uh, she's now graduated from um, her institute and she's got a job lined up at the best salon here in Minneapolis. So you know what? It can happen. That is, that's <laughs> awesome. Yeah, th th Those are the stories that I love to hear, right? It, you know, like you did it and now uh, you've seen other people do it and it's, and it's real. Yeah, no doubt. Do you kind of feel indebted? Like if you see that person that's like, like you, right? Like you, like, like dedicated or, or committed. Um, do, do you kind of feel like, a, is there a responsibility to be like, I'm going to give this person a break or this person a chance? Yeah. yeah, for sure. Because you know what? I know what it takes to get somewhere. And li listen, I'm very lucky. I come from a, a family, from a parents that are still together and I had a very happy upbringing. But you know what? what the, there's so many kids out there that don't come from that. They also deserve a chance. And to get out of their situation, I'm all for that. So I will give them whatever chance they need, providing they work for it. If, you know, if they show up and sit there with a sloppy face, going, mm, you know, then you know, you're not going to come over. It's not going to happen. But you can pretty much tell if someone's interested, you know. Mm -hmm. it's, and like I said, it's enthusiasm. That's what I was when I was a kid. I didn't understand it, but I was enthusiastic. I wanted it. So how badly do you want it? Mm, we're back to that, huh? How bad? Yeah. Do you, I love that. That's the name of this podcast. How bad do you want it? That's it. Uh, Boom. You just <laughs> named it, man. So, Antoinette, over the years, you know, you've been in a manager, a managerial position, and you know, I'm sure that I'm sure that again, enthusiasm. You need more than enthusiasm to be a um, to be a uh, to be a successful manager. Like, what what's that? What's that transition been about for you? And also, did you find like? difficult conversations hard to hard to have and like how have you evolved in that as well you know I think being a manager is about listening it's like doing a client it's about listening you know it's like what do they got to say well you know make them feel a part of it I think as hairdressers because I'm a, I'm a great analyzer I like to think about stuff if I wasn't a hairdresser I'd be a detective I like to figure yeah. it. <laughs> um you know I think hairdressers, and I, I've seen it do myself, that's why I recognize it. When you're behind the chair, 
and you do someone's hair, you are the most important person to that client because you are there with a pair of scissors or a color ball or whatever it is. You're going to transform that person. So that person, you know, you're very powerful over that person. So what happens, we get used to that as hairdressers, you know, like it's, I'm the one who does that. I, I make her great. It becomes a little bit about us. And when you're a manager, it's not about you. It's about your team because you're only as good as a manager as your team is. So it becomes a different dynamic. Uh, but it goes both ways because I can help you, the team, but you're going to help me too. And if that's not a two-way thing, then we're going to have a conversation. And being Dutch, I'm pretty straightforward and direct. <laughs> when, when I hire people, I say, listen, you can say whatever you want to me, but I'm going to, do, I'm going to say whatever I want to you too. Are you okay with that? And that's how that starts. So it starts from day one. And if something doesn't work or if something starts sloping off, I'm like, I'm in there. I'm like, hey, you know what? I don't like that. Or why did you do that? Or just really straightforward. Mm -hmm. And people appreciate that. I think, so. I mean, I think everybody appreciates like if they know where they stand, right? Yeah. But yeah. Like some of my favorite people that I get to deal with, like aren't the easiest necessarily to deal with, but at least I know where I stand. Yeah. Right? You, you, you kind of do have to appreciate that. And it's interesting you said they're not the easiest. You know what? Because people like myself, we get perceived sometimes as being difficult. Mm -hmm. We're not being difficult. We just know what we want. Right. You know, and that's the difference because, uh, you know, when I go and do a show, you know, I want this, 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 and this, because this is what's going to take to do my show the way I want it. And if that's difficult, well, then maybe I'm not the right person. I don't know. But. Right. And that goes back to, you know, for instance, when you joined Trevor, you wanted to do, be a part of what Trevor's vision was, right? Yeah. Um, so when people join you, you know, it's not about what they want to do they're joining your vision. And like you said, you're going to help them in the process at the same time they're helping you in the process. And sometimes I think a lot of people forget, you know, and they, and yeah, that, that was kind of a, just a little bit of a light switch just went on my head. <laughs> yeah. No. Well, there's also this saying, it also goes to the clients. Yeah. For everybody who works in the salon, I always say you attract what you project. So it's interesting, you know, I don't know if you guys are the same, but I always ended up having the same type of clients. Yes. You know? yeah. Isn't that interesting? And it's funny because it's a reflection of yourself. So look at your clientele, see what it's like. Do you like that? I've not changed a few things. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> the best advice ever. Right. The yeah. best advice we've given out on this podcast. <laughs> no, it's true. Honestly, I, like I said, you recognize it. So you, I'm sure you have the same experience, you know, when you work behind the chair. But um, I think we're extremely lucky as hairdressers. That's another thing I've learned, you know, having been behind the chair for 30 odd years, as well as being in a corporate role, is that I always say, if you can talk someone into cutting the hair off or, you know, giving a completely different color, you can talk anybody into anything. You know how powerful that is in a corporation? Like whenever we need to sell something, they always send me to do it <laughs> because, you know, we, we, it's the passion behind it. If you believe in something, it's the passion. And, but I can only do it if I believe in it. If I don't believe in it, like, no, forget it. Won't do it. So what was it about Aveda that, that made you believe in it? You know what? For a very long time, I always wanted to work with, well, let, let's go back. This, this is, this is, you open up a can of worms here, actually. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, I was always, when I was working in Holland, I, there was this company, I can't remember what it was, but they had a blue shampoo and I was so blown away by it that I really, I used it. And then I, the first product I saw of Avena at the time was Blue Melva, which was also a blue shampoo. And I was like, 
okay, that's interesting. That piqued my interest. And then I started finding out about, you know, I, I discovered Aveda as an editorial hairdresser in the 90s when Aveda just entered the UK. And uh, all the cool hairdressers were using it at the time. And it was like, okay, what is this stuff? And it, the, the, because it's natural, it has a whole different effect on hair than all the petrochemical-based products I used to work with. So I was really impressed because I love, I like hair to be hair. I don't want it to be caked in, you know, chemicals that it doesn't feel like hair anymore. Because to me, hair is like fabric, you know, I like to manipulate the fabric. So uh, when I started to get to know a little bit about the Aveda product, I was really blown away by the effects of it. And then um, Horst came over to the UK and I, I was just like, who is this guy? You know, he was like so different. Um, I didn't even know he was a hairdresser at the time. I just knew he was this guy who made this amazing product. And he obviously saw the potential in me and he said, oh, you need to come over. So at one point I was doing a show in New York and he was there as well. And he was on stage promoting his book. And uh, as I heard him talk, I was just so blown away with his knowledge. And he, you know, I mean, this guy has, well, at the time had this most incredible knowledge about nature and what we do to our bodies and, you know, just life in general, it was way bigger than hairdressing. And I liked that because I was so hair focused, you know? So to me, it was like opening the whole spectrum of what I'm dealing with. Now I'm going from hair to health. I thought it was really interesting. And then I went on stage after him and I did a braid and he was so blown away by how I did this braid. So we had this kind of real connection since then. We were like, oh my God, you know? And then um, he was doing a book signing and I queued up because I wanted him to sign my book. And he wrote in my book to the sister I never had, which is like unbelievable. Mm. And I still have that. And that was since that day, you know, I, I just had this amazing connection with this unbelievable man. And uh, unfortunately, he's no longer with us, but he taught me a lot about health and life. Trevor taught me about hair. Mm -hmm. Horst taught me about life and business as well. Wow. Yeah. Oh, you've been so fortunate and blessed with so many great yeah. mentors. I know. <laughs> oh, and then to top it up, I had another one. Let me tell you about the one after that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then I meet Leonard Lauder, Mr. Estee Lauder. He's another unbelievable man, unbelievable. And he taught me about business and management. So I have been extremely lucky. Even though I'm a girl, I had three male mentors. Uh, but I, I, honestly, I'm extremely lucky to have had those people in my life. But, as a, but even as a girl, like, I mean, you know, you can't help who your mentors were. But, but isn't, there, isn't there a responsibility to where now you need to take those, those lessons that you've learned from from those men and kind of like, you know, empower the generation, the next generation or the generation coming up? Absolutely. And I'd like to think I'm doing that. I mean, I created three teams. So, uh, and they're now at a stage where they need to, you know, do their thing. If you think, uh, if you think of uh, Ian Black, if you think of Ricardo Dennis, um, uh, Alan Ruiz, you know, all award-winning hairdressers, uh, Robert Crimes, another Naha winner. Uh, and they're all, you know, they're now, spreading their wings and you know having their teams uh we're now working on a new north american artistic team you know which is the next generation so we'd like to kind of keep the whole thing going wow that's amazing so impressive it is so impressive so when we um we were we were honored enough to speak with mr sorby um you oh, know wow. a few months ago and um we were it was it was on aside from you know 
aside from Antoinette, you know, Trevor was like our biggest get, you know, like for Tony and I, like, like we're kind of like a half a generation um, behind like the Vidal Sassoon Mm -hmm. uh, craze, I guess. Not that we don't respect Vidal. Let me be super clear. But our guy that we looked up to was definitely Trevor. Like he was the he was the top of the he was the top of the mountain, so to speak, for us. Mm -hmm. Um, and boy, I can't even tell you. If you listen to that podcast for about the first five minutes, Tony and I are, can't even really contain ourselves because we can't believe we're actually talking to Trevor. But um, but he um, Trevor and Vidal Sassoon are definitely like on our Mount Rushmore of of hairdressers. And then the other two, we could debate about a hundred other different hairdressers. But 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 if I gave you only four, who's your Mount Rushmore of hairdressers? Ooh, that's an interesting one. Uh, dead or alive? Either. Either. I mean, um, but ours. Come on. <laughs> well, have you guys heard of a guy called TZ Weezy, Raymond? We just did. All right. He's He was um, an incredible guy from a UK guy who used to have his own plane in the fifties and go and do hair for big stars in Paris. It's really worth checking out his history. It's really fun. So I think from a entrepreneurship, unbelievable, unbelievable. Um, of course, Trevor, you know, I mean, Trevor was, he taught me hair. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um, but I have, I have respect for, you know, for many, there's, um, what's his name? The French guy. Uh, I'm terrible with names. I'm really good with faces, but I'm crap with names. I mean, I like, you know, Angelo, one of my old assistants. <laughs> He's amazing. Um, I look at Eugene Solomon. I used to work with for 11 years. He's amazing. Um, you know, Viv is an incredible educator. So is Ruth. I mean, there's so many, you know. I've worked with a lot of amazing people. Um, I don't have one that really stands out in here. I don't. Because I like people for different for different things. So, I mean, if you look at the Boys of Expression, they're doing some wicked stuff. You know, I love them as well. We are. Uh... So, all right, I'm going to give you a pass. I'm not, I'm not going to hammer you down there because uh, we're writing all these down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're checking it out. Putting on our education. And anyway, if anyone hasn't seen any of my stuff, I'd love you to check out my Instagram at Antoinette Beenders um, because then you'll see a little bit of some of the work that I do in the different, you know, different categories. We'll definitely tag you when we, uh, when we, when we release this as well. So um, anybody that's listening can... Um, can just go to uh go look at your pretty face and then uh we'll have a tag right oh, there on your face. I just saw the French guy, Julien Dis. He's very interesting. He does a lot of hair pieces now for museums and stuff. He's very cool. And he's okay. a photographer as well. And yeah, interesting guy. That's interesting. Are there any like a uh, young hairdresser that you're following like on Instagram that maybe you don't know and you just kinda like that that blue Oh yeah. I mean, I don't I'm not so good with the names, but um I like Skylar in london i think she's very interesting um wow i need to have a look at my list guys <laughs> i have a lot i'm following like a thousand people or something i don't know how many do i follow <laughs> 1100 people have you have you checked out like um like updo guru or uh blush and main blush and main does these really awesome like like loose braids and stuff that we just love so much and updo guru is doing this amazing um like bobby pin sculpture things that are just- oh cool I haven't, but I should, by the sounds of it. Yeah, yeah, you should do. I mean, I, you know, I'm, it sounds a bit weird, although I'm a hairdresser by, you know, heart and soul. Mm-hmm. I'm, my passion is really image. So I'm very attracted by photography. And my father was a photographer, and I think that's where this comes from. And I think hair 
for me was a medium to become uh, involved in photography. And hence, I think my ultimate job is being a creative director rather than a hairdresser, because I like putting the things together. I love fashion just as much. I love makeup just as much. And I love the combination of putting it all together. And I think that's what it is that I do. You know, hence the, the kind of editorial approach to, to my work. So, yeah, I love hair. I love cutting hair. But to me, it's a medium to get to where I need to go, which is the image, the ultimate image. I don't know if you can see behind me. It's maybe a little bit of a shadowing thing. But you can look up my pictures and, um, at Instagram and you'll see how much I put into imagery. I love that. Yeah, I love it. I think I wonder... I think kind of as you're watching like Instagram evolve, right? Like you're starting to see a little bit more imagery out there as opposed to just like a, a, a the back of a headshot or something. <laughs> like, 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 like that's where we started, but there's definitely like, there's definitely like an, um, an evolution to it. And you, you, you certainly see it happening. Like there's a lot more interesting kind of uh, imagery out there, you know, that's not just hair and stuff. Yeah. I mean, I think the inter- interesting thing of Instagram is that everybody can have a picture. So I love that, yeah. but you know what? There's a difference between a picture and a picture, in my opinion. So um, there's a difference between a picture and an image, right? Oh, correct. Yeah, a picture and an image, and because it, it, you know, to do a really good image, it takes more than just a quick snap of a, of an iPhone. Um, and I really love the art of imagery. Mm-hmm. So, and hopefully, you can see that on my page. I love that. Yeah, you know, that's really cool. Um, dude, this is just exciting to me. Yeah. So where, so other than the Instagram, where do you have any other tags that you want to throw out there where people can follow or uh, find you? Um, well, we have an Aveda artist page. So if you want to, you know, for everybody who wants to see nice hair, it's like every day we post hair. Uh, my page, Antoinette Binders, obviously, um, our Aveda. You know, if you want to know a little bit more about um, what else, you know, if you want to, if you're interested in working with natural products, that's a whole different ball game than for people that are not used to that. I think there's a whole world out there that some people are not aware of um, that you can create incredible results now with natural product. Um, I really like to think that at Aveda, you know, our company's 40 years young and we have been absolute innovators when it comes to plant science and plant beauty. And um, yeah, I, I, I'm very interested in that because to me, if you look at things around you, everything that's good for me comes from nature. I mean, if you look at medication that's made, it's been inspired by nature. Um, so to work with you know, hair, which is a natural thing, to me, nature and nature goes together. And that's why I'm a very big advocate of natural hair care. Uh, whether it's our brand or any other natural brands out there, as long as they're the real thing and they're not greenwashing. Um, so yeah, so check out some of our beliefs and what we do. And um, I just think we're as a brand are going into direction where, you know, you can achieve the ultimate thing with natural uh, from a color point of view and from a styling point of view. So yeah, check it out. So what's next? I mean, you say check it out. So what's what you know what's what's in store for Aveda over the le- next six or, or or twelve months? Well, we're going to come out with some very interesting product, um, some product launches that are new, that are not out there yet. Um, we, um, you know, we just created a new North America artistic team that hopefully is going to tour throughout North America. Um, we are putting a big focus on international because Aveda is big in America, but not quite as big yet abroad. 
hence my travel, hence I'm going to Brazil <laughs> when we're launching. Uh, we just launched in Mexico. I'm going to, we have a color award in Australia, which is really funny, called Color Harmony. So, so uh, we'll be doing that end of August. And then, you know, like I said, I'm doing the Stella McCartney show in June in Milan, where I'll be taking an American team over and combine that with an Italian team. So we're all working together backstage. Uh, and then September, New York Fashion Week, London Fashion Week, it keeps going. We're launching India in October, and there. So, so speaking of Trevor, are you guys doing something this year, later this year, together? Ah, that's right. <laughs> well, yeah, hopefully. I'm working, well, we're working on it. I just saw Trevor, actually, for his birthday. Did you hear about his birthday? No. Okay, so Trevor had his 70th birthday in March, and um, it was a surprise party, so I flew over for it. And it was so amazing to see. He was so blown away by us, be, all of us being there. And it's really fun also, like, you know, because if you think about Sally, um, Sally Brooks, who is now current British hairdresser of the year, she used to be my old assistant, as was Angelo. So it was like different generations. And then you have the whole current Sorby crowd as well. And I'd never met them. And they obviously heard of us. So it was really fun meeting them. You know, it was such a fun night. We, well, I literally went to bed at five and I was on the plane to New York to meet you guys that night at 7 a.m. I went straight to New York to go to Airbrain. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Yeah, it was a crazy one. But uh, I wouldn't have missed it for the world. It was His face was just the best. You know, he was so blown away. That's um, awesome. Anyway, so what we're trying to do is, um, and again, hopefully this we're going to pull it off. I'd like to think we are. In October, we're working on doing a show with myself, Sally Brooks, Angelo Seminara, Eugene Solomon, as a as a thank you to Trevor in London. Oh. So that'll be pretty pretty freaking spectacular, I think, because you're never going to see all of us together on stage, because we're all represented by different product companies. So, you know, this is going to be a one-off. That's amazing. That would be an awesome. Um, it's under the Tribute show, you guys familiar with Tribute? No. It's a tribute is a magazine uh, in the UK and in Paris, and they um, they're the ones who are organizing the show. So check out Tribute, and I, I'll tell you if anyone likes Sorby, this is something. This is going to be a historical event. It really will be. Yeah, maybe uh, you have to keep us into, uh, uh, up to speed because we we might end up bouncing over to London. Yeah, we would love to come in, maybe trying to get all you guys uh, together on an episode that in celebration of trevor so that's thinking right there yeah there's a lot of things we can do around it for sure so yeah so and uh, nikki pope from tribute magazine is organizing the whole thing we had a little chat while we were in london last time but um i need to actually thanks for mentioning i need to catch up i need to find out <laughs> what to do this project all right, <laughs> awesome. all right wait, so so i mean if if you can maybe give us a, a name or something you know privately but to to who we can reach out to tribute and uh Oh, I can do it now if you want. Nikki Pope, she's the one, the editor of the magazine. It's Tribute Magazine. And it's Nikki Pope. She's organizing it. So, as before we wrap up, if 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 somebody was interested, or, or how would they get in touch if they wanted to like try out for the uh, for the Aveda um, artistic team? Um, I think best is to uh, contact Aveda um, through our distribution. So, um, you know, you can always uh, write in aveda.com. Uh, we have, um, you know, customer service there that will get you through. Or if you know anyone from our sales team, I'm sure that get you through. Or Aveda Education, aveda.edu.com. Um, so, yeah, you can get through to that. 
That is so. With Instagram on Aveda Artist as well. That's a good one too. Do a direct message. So pretty much anywhere. Just put Aveda in the search. Yeah, exactly. Just and press send. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You'll get there. Miss Antoinette, thank you very much. You know, thank. I'm so I'm so happy you made it back to New York. Or otherwise, this doesn't happen, right? That's right. Yeah. So, Antoinette. Thank you very, very much for joining us and, and hanging out with us for, for this little bit. And of course, for, uh, for sharing your journey and your story. You know, just thanks again. And thanks for joining us on your day off. It was my absolute pleasure and honor. Thank you. Hey, hey, so there it is. Hey, this is a message that um, we've been trying to bring, I don't know, for the last couple of months, actually since we started the podcast. Hey, so if you like the podcast or if you find that it's useful, please, please, please leave us a review, a five-star review on iTunes. Um, leave us a rating and a review. But if you don't like it, forget about it. <laughs> yeah, totally forget about this message. We also want to thank Sarah and Blaine from Pretty Gritty. Uh, Sarah and Blaine, they are a band out of uh, Portland, Oregon, and we just want to thank them very much for allowing us to use their song, Pleased to Meet You, on our podcast. Um, that's cool. I think you can find, actually you can, you can find their music on, um, on iTunes. Peace and hair grease. Peace and hair grease.